Pastor Hayden. <laughs> Come on up. Come on up. Well, I really want to thank you guys for being here today. I know a lot of people couldn't make it because they couldn't get out of the driveway. Like me, Rich had to pick me up. <laughs> but there was a number of people who had a choice to make. And they're lying there in bed, and they know the forecast, and it's still snowing outside, and they're thinking about getting out of bed, and they're thinking about getting the kids ready. It's <laughs> a big one right there, and then shoveling the walk, uh, the driveway, so you can get out. And and they said, well, you know what? I'm just going to sleep in here. <laughs> I'm part of Super Bowl Sunday. And uh, I just want to thank you for making the choice to be here, to putting God as a priority. You don't let inconvenience uh, get in the way. And I just appreciate uh, your efforts uh, to be as part, uh, be a part of our worship celebration uh, today. Well, of course, it is Super Bowl Sunday. Yes, that glorious day that comes around every year uh, that we never really have. When was the last time the Bears were in the Super Bowl? Was it back? 2006. All right. I'm working on a decade. <laughs> but all that to say is that, um, yeah, it's interesting. Tom Brady, of course, you know, is the quarterback for the uh, New England Patriots, a very fascinating uh, individual. I did some research on him, and he did an interview at, on 60 Minutes back in 2005. And he was kind of just talking about dissatisfaction in his life. He says, why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, this is what it is. I reach my goal, my dream, my life. Me, I think, God, it's got to be more than this. I mean, this can't be what it's all cracked up to be. I mean, I've done it. I'm 27, and what else is there for me? So the interviewer Croft asked, what's the answer? I said, well, I wish I knew. I wish I I, I mean... That's just part of me trying to go out and experience other things. I love playing football. I love being a quarterback for this team. But at the same time, I think there's a lot of other parts about me that I'm trying to find. I know what ultimately makes me happy are family and friends and positive relationships with great people. I think I get more out of that than anything. Of course, we all know what he needs. He needs a relationship with Jesus because we'll... We're all dissatisfied, no matter how much we have. I mean, he's, you know, very famous, very wealthy. And he grew up in a Catholic church, but I don't think he's been active. And looking at his lifestyle choices, I would have questions about whether he's, you know, a Christ follower. Now, he might be, I don't know. But in 2007, in another interview, he said, he was talking about, you know, will you be the greatest quarterback that ever lived? And he says, I'll rank right up there with the best. I mean, Jesus never threw six, six touchdown passes in a single game, did he? Oh, my. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, people uh, who are self-sufficient, people who are incredibly successful, 
Uh, those are more, most difficult people, right? The wealthy man, you know, the eye of the needle. Uh, so we can pray for Tom Brady. As you see him today, plain, pray that he would be humbled. Okay? Uh, pray that he would come to Jesus Christ. Well, today we're continuing our series on 1 Peter, Hope Changes Everything. And it's just an incredible book. I mean, I could spend all year on this book. <laughs> Thinking, wow, all kinds of wonderful doctrines to unpack. Uh, but the theme is hope. Hope in Jesus Christ. We have a living hope that we can always turn to. And today we're going to talk about hope and living for God. I want you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. And what we're going to be talking about is focusing on spiritual privileges that we have as Christ followers. So it's kind of a continuation of other messages because he seems to continue to hammer away that we're to have a kingdom oriented mindset instead of an earthly mindset. And friends, I really believe that that is the key to the Christian life. We're just bombarded by our culture everywhere we go. Uh, This is life. I mean, this whole day, I mean, celebrating these athletes and, and then other times, you know, of course, our culture says this is success. And it's so difficult for us to work against that particular desire that we have in our lives. We say, no, that's not success. Success is walking and living with God as his child and having him as Lord of my life. Because this life is but a test, and then we move into eternity. So 1 Peter 2, 4 As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. So as you come to him, that has the idea of when you initially come to him uh, for salvation, but also it has the idea of continuing to come to him. We need to draw near to God and what he'll draw near to us. Now, he's already right next to us, but the more we look into his Facebook, the more we're able to see him and understand him, and the more he'll reveal himself uh, to us. Last week, uh, we talked about worship-based prayer. If you haven't gotten one of these uh, uh, inserts, you can grab it at the ministry counter. And I'm really excited about this. I got a couple of great emails from people who said, Wow, this is great. I really am enjoying my quiet time. And the whole idea is that when you start your time with God, you always start your time in prayer. Uh, And you have your Bible open, and you start with worship. And then later you move into requests. So that's really the key idea here. How you want to do that, that can be your own deal. But always start with worship because we have to understand who God is and get a kingdom viewpoint. And that will help us to understand uh, our needs, and they won't seem as significant when we understand how much God wants to take care of us. So again, seek the face of God, then his hand. Uh, Lord, you are worthy because, so that's the first part, and you pick out a passage and 
you pray through it. And uh, You don't have to use these words, obviously. You can choose any words, but the idea of, Lord, you are worthy. And then, Lord, I am needy because uh, then you can talk about the needs, the resources, and relationships and other people uh, have in your life. Um, yeah, so, any of your small groups try this out this past week? Raise your hand in small groups. All right, excellent. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, anybody try it in their individual time alone with God? Oh, wonderful, wonderful. I tell you what, guys, it will transform your quiet time. I had a lady who emailed me, and she said, I've been doing this for the last four years, and I look forward to my time with God. I mean, I won't miss it. And again, you have to grow there. You have to continue to experiment, and you just have to slow down long enough to get to know God. You have to sit in His presence. And again, the world says, well, that's a waste of time, but from a kingdom mindset, that's the most important time you have during the day to cultivate that relationship with God. And the more you're grounded in Him, the more you understand who He is. The problems of this life, again, are not as challenging because you know that He's going to take care of you. He's going to provide for you and come through uh, for you. All right, Ephesians 1.3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now you're reading through Ephesians and you say, okay, that's nice. <laughs> but you're not thinking, what's a spiritual blessing? And uh, It's like, a, Dean, what's your favorite store? My favorite what? Store. Best Buy, okay. Well, let's say that you were chosen. <laughs> you were chosen to have a free, very gold membership. Okay, gold membership, where you could go into Best Buy and buy anything you wanted, multiple items, and and you could do that for the rest of your life. How would you feel about that? That'd be great. That'd be great, no doubt about it. <laughs> Hey, think about what's your favorite store. What if you had a lifetime pass and you could stroll in there every day and pick something up? You say, well, that's ridiculous. Well, it's not ridiculous in God's world. I mean, look at that. Every spiritual blessing. I mean, as you look through the Word of God and you see all the promises, uh, you see all the things He wants to do with us, you see our identity in Christ, every spiritual blessing that is a lot. And that's why we need to get in God's Word. We need to understand these spiritual blessings or we're still going to continue to value the things in this world much more than the spiritual blessings uh, that uh, we should be uh, looking at. So, uh, we look at First uh, Peter 2.4. As you come to Him, a living stone rejected by men in the sight of God, chosen and precious. So we're coming to him, Jesus Christ, who is a living stone. Now, usually you don't think about living stones, you know, dead stones, right? Well, Jesus Christ was a living stone because he paid the penalty for sin and he rose again. This is a theme that you see throughout First Peter. 
he really just focuses on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is alive, and he's interceding for us, and uh, he is the one uh, that gives us life. So we're, he's a living stone, and of course rejected by men, rejected by the Israelites as a Messiah, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. Now we're chosen again means the word choice. God chose. And precious means something that's very rare, something that's very expensive. Okay, And so he calls us, I am chosen and precious. That's why uh, I think I'm going to do this, is just to take a, this passage. And, you know, there's different, your identity in Christ, uh, you've probably seen that before. But uh, just every morning to wake up and to pray through who I am in Jesus Christ. Because that will set the tone for the day. Because I know if I don't do that, (laughs) I'm going to get caught into earthly concerns right away. The most important thing is to understand who you are in Christ and the God that you serve. 1 Peter 2.5, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, many of you are familiar with uh, buildings back in that day, and what they would do is they would build them out of rocks that were specifically designed to interlock with other rocks and puts, in terms of putting a building together. There was no mortar or anything. I mean, these things were chiseled to the exact measure that they needed to fit in a particular uh, place in the building. Now, the most important thing is that Jesus Christ was the cornerstone. We see that throughout Scripture. And what's a cornerstone? Well, back in that day, a cornerstone was the most important stone out of all the stones because it had to be at a perfect angle. It had to be at a right angle. Because if you didn't get the right kind of cornerstone, you might have your walls going out like this. (laughs) I mean, it determined, again, uh, the the lines that you go up in terms of like a plumb line, uh, just getting the thing straight so when you build it all around, it turns out to be a square or whatever you're uh, trying to do. So the cornerstone has to be right, and that's why it's so important that Jesus Christ is the living cornerstone. But we're also called living stones. You're a living stone. That's something you need to think about. You're a living stone. Why are you a living stone? Because you came into relationship with Jesus Christ, and you were a dead stone, but he made you alive. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. It's the beautiful doctrine of the fact that we are united with Christ. Jesus Christ is within me, and Jesus Christ is within you. If you're a Christ follower, I mean that, wow, he's within me. 
And, and if I really stay aware of that throughout the day, I mean, if he's here, right here, and he's seeking to live through me, well, he's going he's gonna to be there for me. He's going to take care of me. He's going to help me solve problems, right? And also, I'm going to be a little more astute to what I'm doing, what I'm watching, you know, that kind of thing. Because Jesus is right there. You think you're hiding from God. You think you're escaping. You're not thinking about God. But if you're Christ, he's right there, no matter what you're doing. So it's a motive, of course, uh, for purity, for purity. Well, we look at uh, Ephesians 2, 19 through 21. Uh, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens. Now, in the past, as we've studied these passages, strangers and aliens, that's what we're described as in the world, in the kingdom of the world. But now it's reversing it. He's talking about God's kingdom. So we're no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Of God. One thing that unites us all is the Holy Spirit. You know, you can go anywhere in the world and you uh, run into a Christ follower, and there's just an instant connection because we're all part of God's household. We're a holy nation, we're chosen. And again, the Holy Spirit testifies to that. And we're built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And what does that mean? Well, it means the writings. God inspired the apostles and prophets to write the Bible. And so that's the foundation, the revelation of God through Scripture. And he goes on, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. So we, you got the universal church that, again, is everybody who's a Christ follower around the world. But then you have your local church like Springbrook. And we have been brought together and we're members of God's household. And uh, again, he's building his kingdom. He's building this building. But we're a part of it and we're just a small part of it. But the point is, is that we need to identify ourselves in that way. And that's the most important thing about us. That we're a Christ follower and that we are a living stone. As it says in 1 Peter 2.5, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house. So again, Jesus Christ is cornerstone and you're connected uh, to other people. And you've been designed in a certain way. You're unique. Many times we think of ourselves, I'm unique, all right. (laughs) And we think about our weaknesses, right? No, 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 no. We're unique. God is always chiseling away in order that we might just have the tightest fit in that spiritual house. Anybody been chiseled this past week? I know I have. (laughs) What's he doing? Well, he's, again, uh, chiseling away, hammering away so that we might be the right fit in order to uh, 
experience uh, what he wants to do in our lives. So we're a holy priesthood to offer the spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You always got to remember when you're reading Scripture, you've got to see it through the eyes of the people who are reading it. So we say, all right, whatever, you know, uh, we're priesthood. Okay, that's great. Well, (laughs) if you went back in that day and studied uh, or studied that day, that was a big deal if you were a priest. Now, the Levites, the tribe of Levi, were chosen to be a priest chosen to be priests. And the most amazing thing about it is that they would be the last tribe you'd think would be the priests. I mean, they were weak, rebellious, violent. So what does Jesus do like he always does? He takes the weakest possible tribe and he turns them into priests, just like he takes all of us and turns us into priests. So here we are. We're priests of God. And We are to offer sacrifices. Now, as you study the Old Testament, you know all about all the different sacrifices that they had to make, uh, sacrificing lambs and other animals. And it was quite a production. Well, today we don't have to do that because Jesus Christ has fulfilled all that. And he was a perfect sacrifice. But now we offer different types of sacrifices. Sacrifices of prayer. Sacrifices of service, sacrifices of love, and it goes on and on. There's many different things listed in the Bible, and and they're they're just so pleasing to God. You know, He smells them. That sweet incense that comes up from the sacrifice for what you were used by God to do. Uh, on September 2011, uh, Brandon Wright a 21-year-old student at Utah uh, University. Uh, He was riding his motorcycle, and he uh, was driving down the street, and a BMW pulled out in front of him, and all of a sudden everything went up in flames. I mean, both vehicles caught on fire, and, of course, this drew a lot of onlookers to come and see what was going on. And so the people who were there first were kind of looking around, seeing if there were any survivors. And the guy got out of the car, the BMW, but somebody noticed there was still a body under the BMW, which, of course, was Brandon Wright's body. So what they did is that uh, they got a couple people together to see if they could lift this BMW, this 4,000-pound car. And, of course, that didn't work. So they had more people, and they were able to lift it to a point where they could peek in and see that he was still alive. All right? And then they got more people. They got 12 people and lifted a 4,000-pound car so someone could, again, rescue him. And he only had two broken legs and a broken rib. That's not too bad for that type of accident. And, and he recovered. He was saved. By these people's efforts. And friends, that is our main role as priests, as ambassadors in this world, uh, ministering on the behalf of God. We are representing Him. The main goal is to bring people into a relationship with Christ and then disciple them. 
So you think of this uh, kid, you know, first he was saved and he had to go to the hospital uh, to mend up, right? Well, we bring people in and uh, we need to uh, disciple them. Uh, my wife was telling me about somebody that she was meeting with and uh, it's just kind of funny because she's a new Christ follower. And some of the things on her Facebook page would not reflect that. So <laughs> that's, that's a point of discipleship, right? Or she just says, you know, you probably shouldn't put this on. <laughs> but friends, you know, we want to bring people in who are hurting, people who need God so much. And they're rough around the edges. But that's what we're here for, is to take them into the spiritual hospital and make disciples out of them. So it's just a privilege to be a priest. When you think about the priesthood, uh, again, the tribe of Levi, uh, you're from the tribe of Levi, if you were a priest. And what would happen is you'd have your kind of full-time high priest and others who stayed in Jerusalem at the temple uh, for the around. And the, the uh, regular priests, uh, and they were just, you know, farmers, whatever, uh, these Levites who were chosen to be priests, they would come in for two weeks to do priestly ministries. And so they stayed in you know, a compound there, and, and they were the priests. And I tell you what, uh, to be a priest was an incredible privilege. I mean, because God's presence was in the temple, and people could hang out around the temple and different places and gather together, but only the priests could go into the temple. And if you were there today... Uh, back in that day, that is, uh, you'd see no admittance signs, you know, staff only or priests only. Because <laughs> you can't come here because you're not a priest. You have not been designated to go into the presence of God, to go into the inner sanctuary. And so they did this. And then, of course, you had the high priest who went in once a year. And that was a day of atonement. And they really prepped him well. I mean, they, he had to go through all kinds of sacrifices uh, because he didn't want to die in there. <laughs> so he had all his bases covered. And uh, he went through different periods of cleansing because, again, you didn't know when you went into the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant was and where God's presence was. And so they prepared him thoroughly, and uh, they also uh, had bells around his robe in case uh, God struck him dead. And God's holy, and he had certain things uh, that they were to do, and how they were to present themselves uh, to God. Just one day, one day a year, the high priest, the spiritual leader, was able to have full access to God. Now, you are priests, okay? Jesus Christ is the high priest. So you remember what happened when Jesus Christ died? Uh, the curtain that covered the Holy of Holies was ripped in half, right? Because we all can go into the Holy of Holies. We can be in His presence. 
at any time. And, and that's why it's so important you understand what the priesthood in the Old Testament was about, to realize what an incredible privilege that is to go to God at any time and spend time with Him and pour your heart out and uh, let Him uh, touch in special ways. It just is unbelievable, you know, that we are a holy priesthood, holy mean to be uh, set apart. And, and the priests were also anointed as a sign of the Holy Spirit upon them. Well, what about us? We've got the Holy Spirit within us, right? And Jesus Christ within us. So when you contrast the Old Testament and the New Testament and access to God, it's like, wow. In fact, I would encourage you to do some research on the priests of the Old Testament. And you'll fully understand what a privilege it is to be able to have this type of access uh, to God. And again, I just want to encourage everyone, as I do myself, to spend that time daily in the Word of God. Because uh, I think that's one of the main places where God speaks to us if we slow down long enough to listen. Verse Peter 2, 6-8, we continue the passage. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone. Now, there's the old covenant that the Israelites were under, and then there was a new covenant that we're under because of Jesus Christ's sacrifice. And the old covenant focused around Mount Sinai, where the law was given. But the new covenant is focused around Zion, which is Jerusalem. Laying in stone, a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious. And this is a quote from the Old Testament. Whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. What that says, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are not going to be disappointed. Now that's a good guarantee, isn't it? (laughs) That's a great guarantee. I mean, again, it might not be the agenda that you have for your life, but if you fully embrace that you're a follower of God and He's made the way, He's made you the way He has, and that every day you go out and you're to be a priest to people, to uh, declare God's glory to people, to minister to other Christ followers, that is just so, so important to understand. So the honor is for you and me who believe, but for those who do not believe. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. So the Israelite leaders back in the day, you know, they looked at Jesus Christ and what they expected the Messiah to be, and they tested and examined him, and they came to the point where they said, this is not the guy. We've got to kill him. So Israel rejected Jesus Christ. But, of course, God, you know, he's the one who chose Jesus Christ. He's the one who made Jesus Christ the cornerstone. And that's why it says, in a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, there is nothing that will get an argument going quicker than talking about Jesus Christ. In fact, sometimes when I only have a short time to witness to a person, I say it all comes down to what you think about Jesus Christ. Just think about that. That's the one thing 
you know, as you go on your way and you continue to explore Christianity. Who was Jesus Christ? Because every religion wants to take Jesus Christ on uh, just to be more attracting to other people. But Jesus Christ said he was God. Jesus Christ said he was the only way to the Father. So those are pretty exclusive statements that ever meant like Josh McDowell said that uh, he either was a liar, he was lying about it, or he was a lunatic, he was just crazed, or he was the Lord. Right? You only got three options. You just can't say, oh, he was a good teacher, good role. No, no, no. This guy was really off base. <laughs> He's calling himself God. So you always bring people back to Jesus. And that's why he is a stumbling block, because people do not want to submit to Christ. They do not want uh, to get their lives over to Christ. So that always is a problem. You wonder why uh, Christ followers are so many times uh, ridiculed and uh, where every other group seems to get some type of protection, but we're just, you know, they just love to make fun of us. Why? Because it's Jesus Christ. It's the truth. Why do they take Jesus Christ's name in vain? Because it's Jesus Christ. He is the one they have to make a decision about, and they're deciding against him. So it's a, a stone of stumbling, and it's also a rock of offense. And that, that just speaks of a huge rock. And what happens, if a buzz, person doesn't turn to Christ, that rock is going to drop right on them. And they're going to experience the punishment of God. So don't be... Surprise when people really get fired up when you talk about Jesus. Because you are in a battle. You're in a battle. And that person, of course, wherever they've uh, gone in terms of exploring Christ, if they have a really strong reaction, that means that they're saying, no way. No way. All right, verse 10. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You see, this is what you do with meditation, okay? You stop. And you say, okay, I wasn't a part of God's household. I wasn't a priest. I wasn't anything special. I was just a sinner headed toward eternity. But now you are God's people. That's what you want to say to yourself on a regular basis. I am a child of God. You want to continue to understand your identity in Christ. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Isn't that just precious? I mean, the passage that we've studied today, isn't that amazing when you just stop to think? I encourage you to get commentaries out. In fact, the Moody Bible commentary I've mentioned before. If you don't have any commentaries, I would encourage you to buy that. It's like 21 on Kindle and 36 uh, for uh, hardback. But it is an excellent tool. Uh, one of the most uh, complete commentaries I've seen in one volume. But get into the Word of God. Encourage your kids. I mean, the beautiful thing about raising kids is you can teach them to have a kingdom mindset. 
because they're going to be pulled all different ways when they drop in the world, especially, you know, kids going to college and life is ahead of them. Uh, Many times they're not thinking much about God. But you need to, again, train them and plant those seeds. Uh, Our children's ministry, Home Front, uh, is the magazine that comes from it. And you can get this every month on the Internet. So if you go back there, they'll give it out to you. Uh, There's a sample uh, that Michelle put together that you can look through to see what kind of resources are. But it's just a beautiful way to help your kids grow in Jesus. He's a lot of creative things to do. and So I certainly would take advantage of this as you're training your children to be like Jesus. In 2007, pro baseball player uh, Matt White uh, had an aunt who was struggling physically. And it got to the point where she was in such decline that she had to sell her property in order to pay for her health bills. So Matt White uh, decided, okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to buy it for $50,000, which, again, she never would have got from anybody else. So he purchased the property, and then he started to uh, explore the property and see what's out there. And he came across an outcropping of rocks that looked very, very unique. And so he called a geologist in, and the geologist said, well, that's a very old rock. Uh, that's a form of mica. And it's worth about 100 bucks a ton. Well, <laughs> he had 24 million tons on his land. <laughs> 24 million tons. Paid 50000 the first year they were in business selling this rock. They made 600000 Now, friends, that is a beautiful example of what we all need to do. We We just need to continue to be encouraged and challenged and exhorted by our family, our small groups. Dig into the Word of God. Meditate upon it. Because you will never discover the depths and the beauty of who you are in Christ having a drive-through relationship with Jesus. And that's why involvement in a church like Springbrook is so important because you're always brought back to the kingdom mindset. And you just pray for that kingdom mindset. And friends, as year by year goes by, and you understand who you really are, because the world is telling you uh, that you're something really special. Well, no, you're not. You're not something really special, and you can't get more special. But you are a child of God, which makes you incredibly special. So if you base your self-esteem on what the world has to say, you're going to have challenges. But if you base your self-esteem on what God knows, believes, and wants to do in your life, that's going to make all the difference in the world. So I really encourage you to take this particular passage on your time alone with God and just slowly go through it. I would also encourage you to make a list uh, of things that uh, is helpful to you, just that you can go through every morning about your identity in Christ. If you look up your identity in Christ on the Internet, uh, there's uh, something from Neil Anderson, I think, that uh, lists everything that we are in Christ. Uh, so do that. You know, print that out. That's a great tool. 
but uh, we just need to continue to pray for kingdom eyes. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Thank you that we can spend this time studying uh, your word, looking into your Facebook, and learning how you look at us. And I pray for myself, and I pray for my friends here, that we would constantly go back and build a, a strong understanding of how you view us, because that is going to change our behavior. And we're going to be living for you. We're going to be doing uh, the work of a priest. We're going to act like a chosen people. And I just pray for our whole church, family, and we would all grow in this area. In Christ's name, amen.